Yeah. Oh, yeah. f the government, dude. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Bullshit. Okay. Oh my god, they were roommates. Welcome back to the Roommates Couch Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Kelton. How's your week been? Um, you know, I honestly have no recollection. <laughs> Just a blur. Yeah, the whole thing. I, I'm, uh, I've been writing a scary story for that extra podcast that I wanted to do and have like the AI generated whatever. So I had ChatGPT write the bare bones of a story. It doesn't matter how good your prompt is. It will never write you more than like 700 words. And mm -hmm. so I took that 700 words and I've been splitting it and stretching it and adding plot points and stuff to try to make it as long as possible. Um, and I recorded this morning, so I'm in the editing oh. process. I'm wanting to launch on Thursday. So, oh, dude, no. that's that's exciting. That's awesome. So we need to make sure, like, you need to do like a, you should do an ad, like record an ad in this podcast for that podcast, hey. and we'll see if we can get a good jump on it. There we go. Yeah, it's, nope, uh, dude, I'm excited. Your your story uh, advertisement, like your little promo, was good. Thank I was, you. I like that. Yeah, it, it took a little bit to put it together. I'm not gonna lie. That's like the compilation of like 20 different sounds that I found online and just layered them all together. And so. Oh, dude, I, uh, the other day I was, we were traveling down to Utah. We, we've been driving like crazy. So we, we went all the way down to St. George, which is nine hours away from where Rexburg right now. Um, but like just a lot of driving over the last couple of weeks. And so we've been listening to a lot of podcasts and then we listened to uh podcast. It's like the Spotify original murder mystery oh. ones. And so we listened to a bunch of those on the way down, and then I listened to our episode, and I was like, "Freaking mimic! You have like you have the voice for a scary podcast. You like you kind of like have the same uh, tonation for uh, that's not even a word, the same tone <laughs> as the guy who does podcasts." And so I was like, "Dude, it's gonna be good. I'm excited for for your spooky one." Thank you. I'm I'm hoping it turns out okay. So I'll have to yeah. I'll have to check out podcasts though. I haven't even heard of that. Are they long? I think mine's gonna end up being around a half hour for this first one, and I think that might be too short. Yeah, I think that they're right around there, actually. It, it's either like 45 minutes or so, and then they do uh, multiple parts if the story goes beyond it. Okay. Yeah. But it, it's good. They they What's annoying about the way the, their playlist is set up is they will jump between cold cases and then solved murders. And so you'll listen to like a 45-minute story of them going off, and then at the end they're like, and no one ever found out who it was. It's <laughs> just like, frick you guys. <laughs> I'm all about that solved murder mystery. Like, what's the premise? Give us a, a sneak peek. Did you ever watch uh, Haunting of Hill House? I did not. Do it today. It's <laughs> okay. we rewatched it this past week because I was like in the in the writing process or whatever, and it's phenomenal. It's one of the best shows period I've ever watched. Not even just like horror shows or whatever, but like as far as horror goes, it's it's unbelievable. But it's sort of similar in that it's um, basically the family that moves into a haunted house. And I guess that's where the, the similarities end. But the reason I said Hill House is because, like, the dad in that story is trying to fix the house so that they can sell it. Um, in mine, he's fixing the house so that they can live there and start having kids and whatever, and, and the house happens to be haunted. But um, definitely check out Hill House. It's unbelievable. And only, oh, like, Netflix is scary, so Chandler should be able to handle it. Yeah, yep, Netflix. Okay, Hill House, I'm writing it down, because we, uh, we just finished the new season of alone so we're basically we have nothing <laughs> nothing to watch have you watched a prank panel no it's a it's a newer one you we watch it on hulu 
but uh, it's Johnny Knoxville, and he basically does punked. But like people come in and they pitch a prank that they want to do on somebody. Oh. And uh, this this last week's episode, they did. It was this guy, and he's like, "Want to prank my mom and my grandma? Like, I just want to spook them and scare them and stuff." And so they set up a whole like haunted house thing. And this mom and grandma, like, they don't buy it at all <laughs> from the get go. They're just like sitting there, and all this spooky stuff's happening, and they're just like. She's like, you got your taser on you? She's like, yeah, I got my 22 on me too. And they just like sit there and let all the haunted stuff happen on phase. And so it was like this huge elaborate prank and like they just like didn't care at all. Excellent. <laughs> did, uh, oh. did you guys go see Barbie? No, but did you see it? Yeah. And loved it every second. Yeah. It is so, <laughs> so good. <laughs> that's so funny the only thing i've i've really watched on it was uh ben shapiro's 45 oh, minute it. rant about how much he hates it <laughs> yeah. no if you're if you're like ben shapiro then you you won't like it but if you're a regular functioning <laughs> human being that doesn't read into every little thing it is probably one of the best movies i've ever seen really yeah, wow was, i did not stop laughing and really deep plot like lots of important topics and like everyone's like oh it's it's just about man hating and all that stuff and that's not what it is it's like it's basically the foundation of fourth wave feminism which is just being equal that's all that it is it's not man hating it's not women hating it's not providing more opportunities it's just people deserve the same thing and the world should be run by people not specifically men not specifically women just humans and so it was it's really really well done and hilarious i'm gonna have to give it okay i'm gonna have to give it a try because i i was on the fence because i really want to see Oppenheimer. that yeah that one's kind of been near the top have you seen it yet no we have an imax theater five minutes from us and it's sold out for the next three weeks and so we're considering just seeing yeah. it in regular just so that we can see it but imax is the goal that's cool that you guys have one close that's doing it though i think they only they're only doing it in like 19 and i i saw this behind the scenes footage of like the reel and it comes in and it's a mile long reel because they filmed it in such a way that it's like they've never done anything like it and so it's just crazy how much film it actually uses for an imax it's crazy it's i saw like a clip of it too and it came in like on a truck and like it takes like yeah. people to lift it into the projector and it's just like crazy but we have a theater right there so we might as well see it in imax if we can so yo yeah. have you seen movies in imax never me either no. so i that's on the bucket list because people say it's like pretty remarkable but i've never done it and it's like it's like a $5 extra t- a ticket. Like, I should just go do it, but <laughs> I've never done it before. <laughs> do you guys have one near you, like in Idaho or northern uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, like, there's a weird one, like, near Yellowstone. Like, it's, like, random, super odd place to have one. Um, but I, I don't – I know, like, Pocatello and IF and all that stuff, none of them have it. So yeah. I'll have to go, maybe go down to Utah. Thanksgiving Point, I know, has one. Oh, right, yeah. Okay, well, Barbie, that's on the list. Oh, we need to go see it. So <laughs> something funny has happened recently. Like, people have been giving us gift cards to go to the movies. And so we probably have over 100 bucks in movie gift cards right now. But when you have two kids, like, you could never go to the movie. <laughs> so they'll probably sit there until they expire and we'll never go to the movies. <laughs> you know what's funny is it, I think it depends on who you are as people. Because Serena had a friend from school, and I'm not – I'll say their name. But it's um, – I don't know if you ever met – yeah. Okay. I, I, I hate them, but not really. <laughs> I don't have a reason to hate them. I just, I just don't like them at all. And um, okay, that's so funny because I've known like of 
mutual friends or whatever, like that I know of yours, I know really well because he lived at Sunrise. And so I like that's where I met her or whatever and knew her. And then random met Serena. They were friends, whatever. And then throughout like our married friendship, like popped up every once in a while. And the whole time I'm like, I freaking hate them. I would just be like, oh yeah, like they're cool, whatever. You know, I'm like, nah, I freaking hate them. She was one of Serena's really good friends. And so like you have to like, oh yeah, she's great kind of thing. But she's always gotten on my nerves and is just a weird loser. But the reason I brought them up is because they posted on Facebook, like when their oldest daughter was probably six months old about taking her to a movie theater. And like, apparently she was crying through the whole movie and stuff. And it's like, of course she was, she's six months old. Like, and so the thought of them going to a movie theater with their kids, I'm just like, oh, you're the worst people. But if you guys went to a movie theater (laughs) with your kids, I'd be like, oh, that's totally fine. And it's just because I hate (laughs) them so much. (laughs) No, that's hilarious. It's such a hit or miss with kids too. Cause it's like, we took cuts into uh, the Mario brothers movie and she was so into it for like the first hour. She was just loving it. And then she all of a sudden was like, I don't give an F about this movie. <laughs> and she just like started running up and down the aisles. And I was like trying to chase her down. And like, she was like in between people and stuff. And I was like, this is a mess. But then uh, when Hudson was little, little, we took her to the movie one time and she slept through the whole thing. So we're like, Oh, maybe this is a thing we can do. And we went to go again after uh, on our second attempt and she instantly started crying. And so then we had to leave the movie and we burnt 20 bucks just for her to cry and go home. So we, we decided not to take kids anymore, but yep, it's, it is funny that it just depends on if you like them or not. One, one thing that I just I freaking hate about her is every time Serena talks to her, and they don't talk often, but sometimes reach out and like, hey, we should catch up, and they'll jump on a phone call or whatever. First thing that she asks is, um, do you guys have kids yet? And Serena's always like, no. And are you trying for kids? And she's like, no. And so because we don't have kids and we're not trying for kids yet, her immediate thing is, oh, are you guys about to get a divorce? And it's like, that the? is... First off, not your business. Second, what why a jump. is that the thing that you jump to? Like, the value yeah. of our relationship isn't created in the fact that we have a child. So, and she just she every time they talk, it's the first three questions she answers, and it's just like, why? Wow. Yeah. Weird. It's a really interesting thing for people that have uh, kids and then have friends that don't have kids. And and I I I noticed it early on when we first had Hudson, where it's like you join the club of being a parent. And then it's like you want everyone else to join the club, and you're just like, come on, like you should get, you should get pregnant, you should have kids. And then I've learned over the years, it's like everyone's got their own stuff, you know. And it's like you can't, can't just go around and like force your life onto other people or expect them because like there's infertility issues, there's people that just don't like kids, like there's lots of things that like people are just they're working through behind closed doors, and it's like parents, I think sometimes struggle to find a conversation point beyond their kids, yeah. and so that's where they like they just default and like i've seen it too where friends that have kids they like lose the ability to talk about anything other than their kids and so it's kind of an interesting space for them like you just it's an you have to learn to navigate it and yeah. i don't i don't think we're too bad like we talk no. about our kids but yeah. also know that it's the the best worst thing that happens in your life so. <laughs> <laughs> you guys also have like other things that you talk about though so it's not it hasn't consumed yeah. you entirely but you yeah. bring up an, a, a good point because one of our we have friends here that was one of my best friends in high school. He and his wife live 15 minutes down the road from us. And um, they were trying to have kids for a long time and just couldn't. They were having so many issues and all this stuff. And every time we'd be hanging out with them somewhere, <clears throat> some stranger or like his parents or someone would bring it up like, oh, when are you guys going to have kids? 
and it just we would cringe because it's like what do you say when they've been trying and she's had three miscarriages in the last year and a half and it's just like eating her apart that she can't and like you just are constantly bringing it up like oh when are you gonna have a kid when are you gonna have a kid and it's like you know you gotta be so sensitive with stuff like that because it's just like you, you never know you know it's not like people yeah. are announcing they're pregnant the second that they have a positive test like you wait for a little bit you get through the first trimester and then hopefully nothing happens and yeah yeah i i have a good buddy and god they they're like they're just incapable they've had m- multiple multiple miscarriages and stuff and it's so terrible because his wife gets so excited each time that she goes public and announces it and goes crazy and stuff and it's like it's like days after finding out they're pregnant. I'm like, gosh, like it's just a cycle. It just feels so bad for them each time. So, but luckily they, they've had a lot of success in the the adoption realm and they got a couple kids that way and stuff, but Good. just sad. It's yeah. hard for them. No, that's awesome. But if we decide not to have our own, I, I think I would still like to adopt at some point. Yeah. But only, only from not the U S I want to like give like a kid from a different color country a try, you know? <laughs> win the lottery no i I think about that all the time because it's like i've always thought that at some point in our life like i've i've had like weird experiences where it's like i feel like at some point there's going to be someone that has to come live with us that isn't blood like i've just always felt like that's going to happen and when chan was kid and stuff she she had friends that actually came and lived with her because they just came from like really crappy home situations and so her parents were awesome and they just opened the doors and they had random people live with them and stuff so i've always kind of thought it was going to be more in that realm that maybe our kids will have a friend that's in a crappy situation to come live with us or whatever but uh i think about adoption a lot and just like how cool that is that you can take someone that's comes from you know a lot of people who are put up for adoption they're coming from rough situations Mm -hmm. and it's like you can just provide them a completely different life and they're going to be a completely different person based off of that and like it's a, it's a cool, cool gift. Like for both parties, it's cool to bring someone into your family. And then it's also cool for that person. That's like, they could have a roof over the head and know where food's going to come from. And like, you know, just good things that way for sure. I need, I, I'm going to buy a device, but I've noticed lately that I am constantly just hunched over. And I went and I saw, I was visiting this, uh, my brother's grandpa and or my my brother's grandpa-in-law whatever that is and uh the dude was like you know like sometimes old guys like they just get completely bent over yeah and they're just like their spines all turn i'm gonna be that and so (laughs) i'm gonna buy this posturing device thing that like pulls your shoulders back but like right now i'm starting to notice it where i'm just like hunching over and i hate it so bad serena has one of those and the first time she oh does she like apparently the first couple times you can only wear it for like 10 or 15 minutes before your bones and muscles are screaming at you like Really? Yeah, and like the longer that you wear it and the more consistent you are, the less it hurts to wear it. But just like <clears throat> your your bones and everything are so used to sitting like this that when you force them to be like this for a long period of time, they're just sore. So, huh. Yeah, good idea though. Does she yeah. feel like it's it's does she feel like it's work now? Um I mean, she doesn't wear it as often as she should. Like let's be real. <laughs> she, she wore it. She wore it for 3 weeks and then never again. So <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, I'll probably do the same. I at least need to get three weeks of posture. good posture. But gosh, it's making me scared because I'm like, I'm going to be a crumpled up old man if I don't get, get on top of this. Yeah. I start the, the new job next week, so Hell get yeah. my posture device. Start my new job. New new life, new me. Yeah. How's the new IT gig, dude? Dude, it's so good. 
I, yeah. I, I freaking love it. And they are super great to me. It's just way cool. And it's nice not having to talk to customers. Like they're all people that work at my company and are really great. And so, yeah. and like every day oh, it's, it's satisfying. Cause like everything that you do is like a puzzle that needs to be fixed. Like someone comes in with a problem and you just like you're diagnosing and you're doing whatever. And that was my favorite part of working at the auto shop was trying to figure out what was causing what. And so it's literally just like you get a, a little puzzle that you put together and it takes you 20 minutes and then they are satisfied and go back to whatever they were doing. And you're like, all right, back to my spooky story. And I'm typing away. And so it's, it's fantastic. I would highly recommend oh, so it for anybody. So that's how your job works is it's just by request only. Like you're not actively seeking out other things. You're just kind of, waiting for the next problem to come up yeah so so we have like a call queue and we'll take um on a normal day it's between 80 and 100 calls between eight of us and like when i was on the sales counter it was between 80 and 100 calls each and so the call volume is super super low and then we also have like tickets that they can put on online and whatever and so you kind of just handle those as they come in um but yeah it's it's super super chill you're just waiting for an issue to arrive and then when it does you do it and I'm the newest person, so I get all like the the new hire stuff, because like that's just how it falls. Is every time there's a new person, they do all the new hires until there's another new person. And um, I don't know if you heard that, but that was the loudest diesel truck I've ever heard in my life. Um, <laughs> so I like I'll if the new person is in my building or Serena's building or at the Phoenix branch, I'll like go and set up their desk and make sure that everything's working. And if it's not, I like package up a computer and ship it off to whatever branch they're going to be at. And so it's pretty, oh, pretty great. If I, if I made what you made, I would stay in it <laughs> forever. <laughs> I don't. That's awesome. So, uh, this new job that I'm getting, like, it's been like very sparse communication, but they are an actual legit business and I've never worked for a company that's not a small startup and so they have an it department and i've been communicating with the it guy and he's like set me up sending me all the stuff and like it's just so nice <laughs> to have people that are overseeing stuff because like before it was like i had to buy all my own stuff and like bring like my first job i it was all personal equipment that i used for like really? the first two years yeah no <laughs> like, way. you can't do that no. yeah and like i remember i remember when i asked for a computer it was like a big deal and then like they they've now evolved into a real company and they have procedures and stuff but like yeah i used my personal computer for two years that's insane we i know we have people that try to use personal computers and they're like can you just set it up so that my personal computer no that's what your work laptop yeah. is for if you want two laptops i will give you two but you're not using a freaking personal computer <laughs> yeah so you guys have your your own network that they have to be logged right. in yeah so we have um, uh -huh. we have like our localized network in each of the branches and every network is different so if you're going to be traveling and going to a different branch you have to call and get permission from me to be on the network and I have to manually add you. And then if you're at home, we use um, a VPN to, to give you access to everything. So, yeah. Do you guys have like uh, software where you like remote log in and then you can check all their history and everything? Yeah. I absolutely do, yeah. Oh, dude, I'm sure you just like blow people's minds. Like every time I go home and I've been home for essentially this whole month, I show my dad stuff on the computer and it just blows him away. Like <laughs> he's so technology inept that like whenever I show him anything, he's like, "This is so crazy." And I remember one time we were having uh, his computer was having some issues and stuff, and so we called this uh, support agent, and they were able to log in remotely. And like he like didn't use his computer for like a month because he was like, <laughs> "I don't trust it." Yeah, he's still in there. He's still doing stuff. <laughs> yeah. 
No, I, I like it a lot. It's really cool. So, But it's awesome that you are getting ready to start yours. You said it's next week? Yep, next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. Exciting. Yeah, I'm nervous. I'm nervous, excited. It, it's been too long not working, so I, I need to get back into the swing of things. But it's either going to be like this incredible opportunity because they don't have a marketing department, and I'm like just doing it all. And then like their plans to scale and go nationwide and everything and then i would hire a team on stuff so really cool potential that way uh but also it's like so much responsibility and so much on my shoulders that like if it doesn't go great it's like well crap (laughs) you know but hopefully it will go good honestly you get the benefit of um being the marketing department though because like you know you get a lot of autonomy in in what you do and that was something that serena really liked at sunstate when she first started is there the marketing department was a department of four people, including her as an intern. And so it was like, it was cool because she got to see everything that she do have a major impact rather than like mm-hmm. when you're in an established department and you have such a small compartmentalized role that like you don't see a lot of your impact. And for the company, like when you, like they don't have any marketing now, like they might do little bits here and there, but like truly they don't have marketing. So you can, you can almost not fail because like there's their expectation or their experience is so small that like, if you do one thing that does well, you've just paid for yourself like six times. So yeah, yeah, zero pressure in that situation. That's, that's kind of what I'm like crossing my fingers and toes for is they've never done marketing. They've been in business for like 15 years and they have like only 65 clients. So it's not like it's like this massive thing, you know? But they make they make a lot of money, yeah. and so the, av- the average deal side size is in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And so it's like if I can just get in there and convert a customer in like the first month or two, you know, like they're just gonna be like, holy crap, because I'll pay pay my salary for the next couple of years, you know. Yeah. So it's like yeah. that would just that's that's what I'm shooting for is like if I just go hard in the paint for this first little bit, get a couple people on, and then just kind of prove my worth. That would that'd be good. Spend your first six months just building a pipeline and getting like you said one or two customers to come through and two or three more that are like in the background waiting to get funneled down like yeah no, like yeah i i really feel like i'm gonna have to i've never done sales like ever but the market for this thing is so insanely niche that i like i don't i don't know how i'm going to do marketing all day every day without it turning into like one-to-one personalized sales because they only do charter schools in california that are a certain size. Oh. And so I, I did a, a market research project for like my job interview. Yeah. And when I like did all my market research and stuff, I came back and I like gave them a number of how many schools met the criteria that I believe that they're, they're looking after. And they like told me, they're like, you nailed the target persona and like it's spot on, but it was only like a couple hundred schools. And like all the marketing I've done my whole career, I'm sending hundreds of thousands of emails or hundreds of thousands of things. And now I'm talking like hundreds like it's going to be a, just a complete mind shift where it's like I can't just blast all those people and expect them to convert and for it to go well. Like I'm going to have to do some really personalized one-to-one salesy type of stuff to, to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. That that's the thing that's been such a, a good thing that's come from such a crappy thing of, of this job hunt is like the worst thing I could have imagined five months ago was getting fired. And now I'm past the worst thing that could have happened, you know, and and realizing like it took me two months of going hard, hard, hard every day, all day, but I got a job, you know? And it's like the, I feel like right now the job market's 
kind of as bad as it's ever been as far as like saturation and people afraid of recession and all sorts of things going on of like it just not being a good time to hire new people and i got a job so it's like going forward in my life first thing that can happen is you can get fired and you can get through it <laughs> it's okay you know so it's been that's been a good thing because i was like my biggest fear and now i've kind of lived through it and yeah. i'm still alive like now it's still going all right a desirable candidate and dude that's the one thing i have confidence in is i can interview like a mofo mm -hmm. like <laughs> if my resume is not probably the best like not even close um like i sent out a crap ton of resumes for the amount of interviews i got back but of the interviews i did made it into finals on a lot of them but that's what's crazy too about the whole search and i know we've talked about this a lot so i'm just gonna be done so we don't have to keep no, talking yeah. about it but it's so crazy in the search that like i've done i'm in final inter i did final interviews two weeks ago with three different companies and this one it went through all the way accepted the offer and stuff i did not hear back from those two other companies really and it's like i did projects i did all this type of stuff and i just they went cold on me like the last interaction i had with both of them was i just was like hey i have an offer on the table i just would love to know what your guys' process is like and know if i'm still going to be considered as a candidate and both of them said yep you're 100 percent in our final pool we'll let you know and i just haven't heard back from either yes. of them and i'm just like that's so crazy yeah. that's like the People. the tespressa thing that i was telling you about how i was trying to be uh their social media manager and yeah sent, i submitted like a whole bunch of samples and stuff and then they went ghost for two and a half months and then they emailed back and they were like all right you're in our, our final list or whatever and i had already started at sunstate but I wonder if they just are giving people the opportunity to put up not a portfolio, but a project together. Cause like they emailed me what they wanted in my project and I sent it the next day. But the reason it took so long to hear back from them is like people were taking two, three weeks to submit their projects and then they go through the, the narrow down section. So. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. It's like companies that move that slow. It's like you expect you candidates wait, like, shouldn't, shouldn't wait around that long, you know, <laughs> like, crazy but yeah we'll see maybe two months from now i'll be get i'll get offered a better job <laughs> that, that was my biggest fear i'm glad that that i didn't sit on that because i i hesitated with this offer because i was like what if somebody comes back and they offer 20 grand more and i'm in these finals you know and so i was like feeling high on myself and i was like something just told me i was like nah just just move forward it's gonna be okay and it's like if i would be sitting on those other jobs as a wish that would have came through like i'd be kicking myself so bad right now did you get unemployment so unemployment is such an interesting thing because like we i just jumped right on it because i my brother searched for five months and i have a friend that searched for eight months and stuff so it's just like i was just so concerned about the unknown and i'm like i've got to get on this now because what if i'm nine months from now and i have a baby that needs these checkups and all this type of stuff you know so we jumped right on it and i <laughs> this i don't know how to say this but it's like I, I want to be honest in everything that I do. And so with un all the unemployment stuff, we've done everything by the letter of the law, very honest, all types of stuff. And gosh, it has sucked so bad. I feel like the only way to really take advantage of those resources is lie. you kind of have to be scummy and you kind of have to lie and you just have to like, you know, if you, if you really want advantage of it, because I got audited on week one. And when you get audited, you have to meet with them for two hours and they talk, they go through all your applications and they, you have to do a resume building workshop with them and all this type of stuff so that happened and then i had a job offer and so i declined that job offer because it wasn't a good offer and that paused my payments for two weeks because i declined an offer yep. and i was like well 
I shouldn't have said anything, you know, at this point. And then I got another offer that I did accept. And then they're like, you still have to apply for jobs, even though you have an offer. But it, it, the whole thing. So basically, it's like we haven't really received. I think we've only been paid out like one week yeah. of this whole unemployment thing. And it's just like but we've had to jump through a bunch of hoops for it to to get anything yeah. and then it's not really that much anyway so it's it's just kind of weird but i feel like if we would have went in and said we have we haven't been paid in two months and i'm not going to show you my pay subs because i don't have any and i haven't had any offers like i could be getting paid really well <laughs> you know and people are on unemployment for a really long time and so it's just it's interesting to me if you try to do it the right way that it, they make it harder on you than if you just because the, the the line go on it would be super easy like right. i could go and fill out every week and just say, nope, no jobs. I applied for whatever, you know? Yep. So when I got laid off, I also applied for unemployment like that minute. Because like, I knew that I was going to mm -hmm. get severance and I knew roughly what the number was going to be, but I hadn't had my actual severance letter from HR yet because they kept us on as employees for two weeks and then terminated us. Even though we weren't working and like I had already mailed back my laptop and stuff, it was like, you know, I was still technically an employee. I was technically being paid. <clears throat> and so I started doing job applications and I sent in, um, my unemployment stuff and they asked how much I was going to get in my severance. And they were like, we need a copy of whatever your severance letter is from your HR. So I was like, okay, that's fine. And they were like, well, based on this amount and the cost of living in Arizona, um, you don't qualify for unemployment for nine weeks. And so I was like, okay, that makes sense. It's a $12,000 check. Like, I, I get it. Like, you know, it's, it's fine. Like I'll, I'll wait for X amount of weeks. And then if I haven't found something by then I'll, I'll get in the process and week like seven rolled around and was not having any luck. Like I was getting interviews at little companies that were offering to pay like you know, 20 bucks an hour and whatever. And like maybe eight years ago I would have jumped on that, but now I'm like an adult and have a career in a house and like I need to make more than $20 an hour. I forgot where I was going with it, but exactly the same. It was just like a pain, a pain in the ass. And like, I was going online and I was filling out all those things that you have to do. And like every time I put in an application, I had to fill it out, like who I spoke to, what we talked about, every interview that I did. And it took me 14 weeks to, to get an offer accepted. And then another two weeks after that to start. So a total of 16 weeks, my severance was for 12. So I basically missed out on a month. And in that month, and technically I guess in the five weeks, because I would have qualified at nine weeks never got a payout not even a single time because the process is just so difficult and it's like yeah. if i had just lied and said they they didn't give me severance i could have been getting it from minute one and just been great yeah and instead i was like so no they're giving me twelve thousand dollars and and what is essentially 60 days worth of my thing and they were like oh yeah no you don't qualify yeah forever yeah <laughs> over two months yeah <laughs> so crazy when I, when i was doing my like audit thing like we had to go through resume building and the lady was being so sassy with me. She's like, you haven't even uploaded your resume to our portal. So I don't, I don't even know how we're going to do this. Like you need to, you need to get your stuff together. And at this time I had like a job, like it was the job I'm accepting, you know, and I had the offer and stuff. And I was like, lady, like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, like I have the job and she, I don't know if it's just cause like they deal with people all day that are trying to like pull one over on them or whatever. But like, she did not trust me at all. And so she made me jump through all these hoops and stuff. And just, you kind of got a peek behind the curtain of how messed up that situation is. And and like, I'm, I'm grateful because it's like, we did get paid out a little bit. And it's like, that's what it's there for. And I pay into the system. I have up to this point in my life. And this was my first time ever, like, 
reaping that benefit of it and then just like kind of realizing like it kind of sucks but, but I, I don't know it's a good and bad thing for sure yeah that is a great point i have been paying into this thing for i'm 30 so 14 years now almost half my life and they would not give me a single dime yeah oh yeah. f the government dude ah. <laughs> <laughs> bullshit <Okay. laughs> do you uh see mitch mcconnell had a stroke this week <laughs> no i didn't <laughs> it's sad it's sad i get it he's an old man it's just probably terrifying for him i have never seen something funnier he was talking and like he's in his like mitch mcconnell like face and voice droning on or whatever and it was like he had seen the grim reaper at the back of the room because he was standing there and then he's like just locked and all of his staff, and the funny part was his staff. They were all kind of looking around like, what do we do? And he's standing there. It's probably a good 20 seconds that he just, and then he goes really? back to normal. And everyone around him is just clueless. And it's like, somebody grab that guy. Like He's currently <laughs> dying. <laughs> Holy crap. Dang, I didn't see that. I need to go see that. Watch that. I, I was watching this thing. My dad and mom, they watch Fox, CNN, all these news outlets nonstop and they just switch between them the whole time and they have a c-span which will like show you like what's happening in congress at any given point and we watch this thing of i believe he's the director of the border or something in mexico uh -huh. and it is just all these senators just ripping this dude they're just like you are the most incompetent stupid dumb and they're just like going on and on and on and i'm like and the guy just sits there the whole time like Got, kind of like got a half smile on his face. And I'm just like, what is going on in that guy's head? Because yeah. they just sit there and rip him for forever. And he just, he's good. Oh, Takes here him. it is. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, he's having a medical emergency. And not a Whoa. single person even moves. They kind of glance at each other like, should we step in? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've never seen anything like that. That's yeah. so crazy. Yeah. And no one, no one is understanding what's happening. They're just like, oh, Mitch being Mitch. <laughs> He's just taking a dramatic pause, I suppose. <laughs> wow. I didn't know that strokes happen like that. Me like neither. that is, that's so crazy. Yeah. That's wild. When I, I saw it on TikTok the first place and I was like, this is nuts. Like we just watched a guy have a stroke on live TV and nobody did anything. Like, No. I love that one guy that comes up after Mitch. You got got anything else to say? <laughs> He's like, he has no idea. <laughs> wow, the Saturday Night Live cast—they nail him so good. Oh, like yeah. that could have been a Saturday Night Live skit, and I would have believed it. <laughs> Jeez, we're gonna have like nothing to watch all next year. I don't think that this writer strike is ever gonna end. No. I'm sure you heard all the, the CEOs come out and they, they were like, basically, we're, we're not going to work with them. Like, we're going to hold them off until the writers start losing their houses and then have to come back for a, a crappy deal. And so all the big actors are just like donating. Like, The Rock donated like $5 million towards the, the fund or whatever. And it extended the timeline, just his donation extended the timeline for every single person by like three months or something like that. And so, like, good on him. And F the corporations because, like, they're making trillions of dollars a year and these people are getting paid 26 cents per episode that they worked on and it's crazy. But, um, yeah, TV is going to be pretty terrible next year. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, I've learned more about it since because I didn't know anything about it. And the biggest 
cause as people are upset about like the non-restrictions against AI and their ability to whatever. Mm-hmm. It'll be really interesting when that like tipping point happens because I could see AI evolving over the next six months to the point where they could produce television series and, and content and everything AI. Yeah. So it's like the longer they hold out, it's probably it's probably just going to work against them because like uh, in the marketing realm, the way that they're approaching AI is they're just saying, hey, it's here to stay and we've let the beast out of the, the cage. Like it's not going to, we can't put it back in. So you either learn to work with it, but you can't work against it because it, it will replace you. Yeah. So I, I'm curious to see um, how this ends up playing out because I, I think they're they're probably going about it the wrong way. I'm glad that they're like looking for you know get paid for what they their value and stuff. But if you, you hold out too long, you might you might replace your value with something completely. You know. Yeah. They um they did give uh, a couple smaller studios permission to to keep working. I think at the beginning of this week, like um like A24. I don't know if you watch a whole lot of their movies. It's mostly smaller indie stuff, and they do a lot of horror, and all of them are phenomenal. Um, but like a lot of the smaller studios are like, Hey, like we we're willing to abide by the new offer or whatever. We'll pay you more of the royalties. And so there's some smaller companies that are, they're probably going to end up producing a lot of the, the material that we see next year, but like nothing that's franchise, nothing that's anything like that. And I think because those companies are small, they don't have a ton of upfront capital, you know, like a 24 is a great studio and they make phenomenal movies, but they don't have like a billion dollars to pay an A-list cast of superstars who are going to want to work next year. And so it's it's going to be an issue seeing how they maneuver the fact that they're small but are able to now work where big companies aren't because that's a, mm. a good way for a small company to get ahead in a market like this is like if your your largest opponent suddenly can't do anything, like now's the time to make your move. And so I think we'll see some some really big studios emerge from this, but also... I think you're right. It's it's going to cause some issues down the line. What do you think is going to be the next big thing? Mm, RMCP. What's that? Roommates Couch Pod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, dude. Heck yeah. We, we need to jump on the train and start some YouTube channels because there's going to just be a gap in content need. People are going to want to consume something new and it'll be a good, good year for creators next year for sure. Good idea. But when we're rich and influencers and whatever, we don't cross picket lines, boy. Disney, (laughs) don't even ask. (laughs) Oh man. Did you, you, you heard about the OEM union. The what? The OEM union no. back on the mission. No. Oh, dude. dude, this is cut this or whatever. I'm sorry. You're going to have so much fun editing this episode, but uh, this was in my last three weeks of the mission. I had a crazy last three weeks because the whole remix thing happened around that time and all that type of stuff. But um, the, I got a call at like 930 at night from the APs and they're like, Bruff, do you know anything about the OEM union? And I was like, OEM Union, why does that sound so familiar? And then it was like a lightning bolt, like, and I like went back. And this was a year, probably a year ago, like midway through my mission. I was uh, a zone leader in a zone with uh, Elder Johnson. And I went on exchanges with Elder Johnson, and we had this terrible exchange. Like, he was 
grumpy and pissy the whole time and wouldn't talk to anybody and no one we weren't teaching anybody and it was just a bad exchange and so we were like talking at night and i was like dude what's your deal like why are like what's going on and he's like you know what he's like i'm just sick of the mission he's like it changes people he's like you've changed he's like we used to be in his own together and you used to be cool and stuff and then you became his own leader and now you're just a dick and he's just like it was going off and he was just like all pissed and stuff porter I was johnson like, or riley I'm the, uh porter okay. porter johnson okay. Yeah, and he was just like, he's like, yeah, dude, he's like, I'm just sick of it. Like, everyone just wants to be a leader and all that stuff. And I was like, dude, like, I'm the same person. Like, don't worry. Like, it's all good. Like, I don't care. This exchange was not the best, but whatever, you know? And he just, like, kind of, like, went off. And so he, like, goes off on his own. And he, like, writes up this document. (laughs) And it was like, hear ye, hear ye. (laughs) Yeah, missionaries of the OEM mission. And it was, like, this constitution thing. And it was just... It was so stupid. It was kind of funny because it was just like dismantle the leadership of the mission because they don't give a crap about us and all that type of stuff. And I was like, all right, cool, whatever. And he's like, dude, will you sign sign the OEM union? I was like, sure. So I signed it and stuff. And it no. had like this picture of, of Brigham Young. Like he had painted Brigham Young because he's a phenomenal artist. And it was like this thing or whatever. And it, it was just stupid. And that was the only time I ever heard about it, the only time like whatever, you know? And now flash forward two two weeks before i'm about to leave and that lightning bolt moment hit me and i was like crap i do know what this is so i tell the document (laughs) yeah so i i tell the ap's i'm like yeah man i I know what it is and they're like okay well you need to be on a conference call at 10 30 tonight and i was like frick like that's bad you just knew that was bad you know so 30 p.m conference calls are never good never good and so wait for the time to come it comes and then it's uh president russell president russell says let's do a roll call of all the, the missionaries that are here. And so I get on, I'm like, this is Elder Bruff and blah, blah, blah. And like, we go down the line and it's like this super weird mix of like really like good missionaries. And then just like really like Bad not good missionaries. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of like this weird mix. And I was like, what the heck is going on? And he, he says, uh, Elder, uh, Provostgard, I believe Provostgard was the one that read. He's like, Elder Provostgard, can you read such and such scripture? And he reads the scripture and it's like, and their secret combinations were abomination to God, blah, 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 all the type of stuff. And so Elder Provostgard reads it, and he goes, All right, elders, all the missionaries on this call, I need you to take your temple recommends out of your wallets, place them on your desk, they're no longer valid. And then just, like, hangs up. And I was like, what wow. the? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what the heck? And so I was just, like, like flabbergasted because i was like i'm about to go home i don't need this right now like what the heck is going on so i instantly called president back and i was pissed and i was like president what is this what are you talking about blah, 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 all types of stuff and he was like elder bruff i had suspicion you didn't have really much to do with this and he's like so between me and you don't worry about the temple recommend thing like we're good but you're gonna be an example to the mission and he's like and people are gonna know that you were a part of this and they're gonna <laughs> hear about what i've done and i need that to stand and i was like no, you're not going to crucify me as an example. He did, and that's what happened. And I was just like, what the heck? (laughs) So such a stupid thing, dude. Dude, P. Russ sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's just crazy, like, how little of a relationship we have with him versus President Young. Young. Like, President Young is like, I still, I would, like, love to sit down and talk to President Young. It's like, I don't think I've thought of President Russell five times since I left the mission. No, I, yeah, President Young, I, I went home in t- May of 2015. That's eight years and two months. 
almost eight years and three months because it was the, the 4th of May that I got home. And on my birthday this year, President Young texted me and said, yep. thinking about you, hope you have a happy birthday. President Russell doesn't know my name. If yeah. you put me <laughs> yeah. in a lineup of missionaries, I guarantee he would have no idea who I am. So, that yep. guy. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I, I don't know if they just, like, in their late, last few years, like, they, like, learned to love the people. But, yeah, there was just, like, no connection. It's just so interesting. Was President, President Russell was the mission president when you wrecked your bike, right? Because yeah. I just remember, mm. was it? Maybe. Young? No, he I think was he, Russell because I, Russell or Young went home the same transfer that I went down to Grants Pass. So Russell's second transfer was when I trained, I was there, and then I went to Roseburg and that's where I crashed. So yeah, it was Russell. That's like one of my like earliest memories I think of you is like, I was with President Russell's wife and we were doing like a zone conference like role play thing oh, I called and then she like oh. use the insurance <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. she was like elder mimbits crashed on his bike and i was like what <laughs> and she was like freaking out <laughs> yeah. yeah that was so that was funny. literally my third day in that area so i hadn't even been to church yet and i walked into the ward on sunday cast on my arm scratches all over my face like just a wrecked <laughs> human being and everyone was like elder what happened and it was great because i had never been like I'd never received that much attention as a missionary. Like there are families that love the missionaries, but it was like every person in the ward was like asking like, what's the deal? What happened? And I was like, yeah, we were doing a service project and I don't know how to ride a bike. So (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome. Are you an influencer or small business that wants to increase your reach? Do you want to see your profits increase by dozens of dollars? Advertise with us. Contact us at roommatescouch at gmail.com to be featured in an upcoming episode. I, uh, I wear the roommate's couch tie-dye shirt as much as I can, and my brother is obsessed. He's like, I love that shirt. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to gotta give him some merch, dude. Yeah. Parker or Cade? Cade. Cade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll so send you that's the link. A, that's a big... It's, it's available yeah. on technically my merch store because that's just the only place that I could host it to buy, but... Um, yeah, I'll send you the link to it. Oh, are you going to mix your, uh, what, what's your spooky podcast going to be called? So I'm just recycling this spooky shit fan club. I figure love it. I already have merch made. Why not? So perfect. No, it's a, it's a great brand. And I think that that that's a good move because you can just repurpose it on both channels and cross promote. Be good. Nope. I'm excited. And I've checked and it does not exist. Like there, nope. like there is no material other than mine that is spooky shit fan club, which sounds crazy to me. It's a great name. Yeah, but I'm gonna be the guy. I gotta get a trademark or something. <laughs> Heck yeah, dude! S- speaking of rebranding or branding, give us your thoughts on access Twitter into X, <laughs> dude. He has zero ability <clears throat> to think further than six weeks down the road at this point. I think he did at some, like in in the past, he was probably a methodical person. And right now his life is just so much in free fall. He's doing anything he can to like stop the, the, the death or whatever you want to call it of Twitter. And so like, I, I don't think it's a good move. I think it's dumb. I think he, I heard there was like 73 Twitter accounts that existed for like, and 
you know, that is what it is, but like major porn sites that were like X photos and like X videos and like all this stuff. And he basically just deleted these platforms that had like tens of millions of followers each so that he could have the X name and just like, wow. he is going to face repercussions for it. You, you can't avoid it. <laughs> like these yeah. companies are hundreds and hundreds of million dollar companies. You don't just get to take away their social media because you want their handle. Like I get that you own the platform. It's not how it works. You are going to owe them obscene amounts of money that you don't have anymore. So I don't know. No, I'd, I'd love to know more about that. Cause that, crazy when i first heard that he would just like some guy had had it since 2007 and he just like took the handle from him and like sent him some merch to like a, a company or whatever but it's like i'm sure in twitter's terms and conditions like there's something that basically says oh. we own the rights to whatever's on our platform or i don't know how it works i'm sure yeah, there's something whatever point. but it's like because i know that facebook uh that's that's a huge problem with facebook is like you'll be running ads and they have they launched a lot of ai that would analyze the ads because they're getting so many submissions and if they deem something inside your ad as like something against their their policies they'll shut your account down and they'll just shut it down completely and like that it's a big thing in in the ad world that like you have multiple accounts and you keep them up and all that type of stuff just for the day when facebook ai just says oh we're just going to shut You're down done. your account and if facebook can do that like what's stopping twitter from being able to do that i mm. I, I heard an interesting take about like the plan of, of all this because it, it stems from uh, like WeChat and the Chinese-based social platform that does everything. It's like you can buy houses on WeChat. You can talk to people. You, you It's like a, a full conglomerate of everything you do online through this social platform. And that is like business 101 that you don't try to do everything. Like that's you can't do everything well. And so you specialize and that's why Twitter as a microblogging site is what's more like, that's what it was known for. And that's what it did. And Facebook didn't try to do that until threads or whatever, you know, but I, the interesting take I heard was threads blew up to like, I think at its peak, like 120 million uh, user accounts and it's still probably growing, mm -hmm. but like in less than a week, over half of those accounts were no longer active. Like people had either deleted them or had oh. never taken action or whatever it is. And, and the, the analysis that this guy was doing was just essentially saying like micro blogging w is a dying medium of social media. Whereas like short form content videos is the growing medium and TikTok exploded that and all that type of stuff. So we can look at Elon and say, what an idiot, blah, 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 type of stuff. But it might be like, Twitter has the infrastructure to support the next, the next thing of social media where it's not like, maybe it's not short form video content, but maybe it is like buying social buying or something, whatever it may be that he's trying to mimic with WeChat. So it'll be interesting to see. I think the brand is, was a huge mistake because Twitter is such a recognizable, strong brand where it's like, you could have kept Twitter, but then if you're going to do something that is, different from what Twitter specializes in or something. X is a sub brand or a, a child company that, that yeah. sits under that. But I, I don't think that killing that global brand was a, a good move, but it is crazy that he can just do that. <laughs> I think he, he made a decision less than 24 hours or something like that. It's crazy. Have you, well, that makes sense. Cause it's literally like a stock font X. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it doesn't look great, but did you see the, the X light that he put on top of Twitter HQ? that flashes uh -huh. and it's right across from that apartment building. The yeah. <laughs> people in that apartment are already filing a class action against him because he's just blinding their apartments because it shoots like 20 million lumens into their, 
their windows and like shades and stuff can't stop it. <laughs> so... <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Whatever you want, mm-hmm. I guess. At this point, he's, he's basically a super villain. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for joining us on the couch. It was so good to have you. We're glad that we're back on a regular cadence. If you can, please, right now, like, subscribe, follow, do whatever you need to do so that you can listen to this weekly. We love the support. We appreciate you all listening, and we'll see you again next week.